Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Morning, everybody. My name's Mark, and uh, if I have not met you, I hope I get to sometime. Thanks for coming this morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving in advance. Let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you. We have, we have so much to be thankful for. Every single day of our lives. And Lord, we just thank you that, that we live in this country. And we thank you that you have given us peace in this nation for the most part, Lord. And that you have protected us. And we thank you that we get to live in this area. Thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. Thank you for the food we have all the time. Thank you, Lord, that you have just blessed this nation and blessed us so much. And we just pray that you would please help us today, Lord. Let your word stir us to greater thankfulness and joy in you, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I'm thinking about Thanksgiving, I was thinking about my friend, Tim McKelvey, and some of you don't know Tim. Tim, can you stand up for just a second? I don't want to embarrass you, but I want, yeah. Tim and I have known each other since the 70s. Uh, we, we lived in a farmhouse together when we were both uh, single. We lived together before we were married um, in a farmhouse. <laughs> I can't believe you still laughed at that. Uh, we lived in a farmhouse. <laughs> Jim Cup is shaking his head. We lived in a farmhouse <clears throat> that we rented that no longer exists across from Musser Nursery. Uh, we lived out there. And one day, I was, as I was thinking about thanks, I, one day Tim and I were walking through a field together. And all of, of a sudden, we spotted this bull, an enraged bull, and it was charging at us. And we, Tim and I, immediately started to, to run for the nearest fence. And, and uh, this bull's getting closer and closer, and I'm, I'm just terrified. And I, I, can, I can see we're not going to make it. And so, I, you know, Tim and I are pretty young Christians at the time. And I, I said, Tim, Tim, say a prayer, man. This bull's going to kill us. And, and Tim says, I can't. I've never made a public prayer in my life. And I said, but you, you got to. This bull is catching up to us. And Tim says, all right, I'll say the only prayer I know. So what my dad used to say at the table, oh, Lord, for what we're about to receive, make us truly thankful. Somehow we escaped. <laughs> uh, that, I guess you know, didn't really happen. But it's the idea of thanking God at all times is what our verse, one of the parts of our verse this morning, which is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, 
For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, what's interesting about this is the background of the book of Thessalonians. It's this particular verse comes near the end. Paul is kind of given some final instructions to the church. But the rest of the, 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 rest of the book, chapter 1, he said they had received the word in much affliction. In chapter 2, he said they had suffered at the hands of their own countrymen. In chapter 3, he reminded them that he had told them that believers are destined to suffer affliction. And then in chapter 4 and 5, he assured them that Jesus is going to return and we who are now believers and believers who had died before, we will all be together with Jesus forever. And then he wraps up the letter giving final instructions including rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. So a quick summary, a quick summary of 1 Thessalonians would be believers in Jesus Christ will suffer affliction we will suffer affliction, but Jesus is coming back to take us to Himself. So rejoice always. Keep praying and give thanks in all circumstances. Keeping your eyes on Jesus who is coming back to deliver us out of all our afflictions. So first of all, rejoice always. What is the meaning of rejoice? Well, it's it's be glad. And, and as I was studying this, I said, well, be glad for what? So I looked up the Greek, and I was actually sort of surprised. The Greek root comes from, comes from the Greek Cairo, which is related to the Greek word charis, which is grace. So to rejoice means be conscious of or glad for His grace. Be glad for the grace of God. Rejoice in God's grace because God is a gracious God. Grace is God's undeserved favor. His unmerited blessings. We sang this morning, generous King. God is gracious, generous, and He gives us so many blessings, especially salvation, as a free gift which we don't earn and we can never be worthy of, but we receive it as a free gift. And all His blessings are because He is gracious. And so to rejoice always means to remember our God is a gracious God. He doesn't give us what we deserve. We all deserved hell for our sins. But He sent His Son. God is so gracious. He sent His most precious gift his own son to live a sinless life on our behalf. And then though he was sinless, to be condemned, tortured, and crucified on a cross and then suffer the wrath of God in our place so that we could be with God forever, so that we could have our sins washed away, so that we could have the sinless life of Jesus credited to us as if we had lived it. We don't deserve that, but our God is gracious. 
He's so gracious, He doesn't just save us. He adopts us as sons and daughters. He makes us joint heirs with Christ and one with Christ. He frees us from the power of Satan and sin. And He is so gracious, He transforms us into the image of Christ. Fills us with His Holy Spirit and gives us the power to conquer sin. And He fills us in His graciousness with love for Him. So to rejoice means to be glad for God's grace and to rejoice in our gracious God. Now, even in the midst of affliction and sadness, we can still rejoice in God's love and grace. And I'm, I am not saying this is easy. And I am not saying we don't feel grief or sadness or devastating pain. I'm not saying that we don't acknowledge pain and sadness. But even in the midst of affliction, we can still rejoice in God's grace to us. And, and only Christians can do this. Only believers in Jesus Christ have a reason to rejoice always. If you don't know Jesus, you have not called upon Him, turned to Him, believed in Him, you have no reason to rejoice in the midst of affliction. You, you have no hope. And it doesn't make sense. So Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That's Philippians 4.4. 4. He says rejoice, and notice he says rejoice in the Lord always. Be glad in the Lord and His grace always. That's the key. In the Lord. Yes, we can rejoice when God blesses us. That's easy. It's easy to rejoice in the Lord when some great blessing comes into our lives. But I was thinking even in good times, we aren't so much rejoicing in our earthly blessings as we're rejoicing in the Lord who gives us those blessings. Oh, it's great to be blessed. It's great to have wonderful things happen to us and good things come to us. But we always want to rejoice in the Lord. And certainly when we suffer, we don't rejoice in the suffering, but we rejoice in the Lord. And if we only look at our circumstances, we have no reason to rejoice, always. If we look at our circumstances. So we have to look past our circumstances through the eyes of faith to the Lord. And I'm not saying that's easy to do in the midst of affliction and devastating pain. But that's what we need to strive to do and pray for God to help us to do is to look through the eyes of faith at the Lord and then we can rejoice in His grace and rejoice in who He is always. And when we look at the Lord, we see that He is sovereign and in control of all things. Even though if we look at our circumstances, it does not look like He is sovereign and in control of all things. But His Word says that God controls all 
things. God is sovereign. There is not one atom in the universe outside His control. There is not one demon. There is not one angel. There is not a single thing outside God's absolute control. And if, if we look at that, and then if we also look at the Lord through the eyes of faith, that the, His Word says He is good and loving. He is always good, infinitely loving. Everything He does is good. If this if this if God was sovereign but not good, that would be a terrifying universe to live in. And we also see through the eyes of faith, God's word says he is infinitely wise. He is infinitely loving. So combined, God is infinitely sovereign, infinitely wise, infinitely loving. If if God was infinitely loving but not sovereign, that would not be a good universe either. Because it would mean he, he was, he'd be loving but not in control of all things. Or if he's infinitely wise but not sovereign. And so all of those things are what it means to rejoice in the Lord. And so even when our circumstances look horrible, we can look past through the eye of faith and say, Lord, I rejoice that somehow in this, I don't see it. I don't understand it. But you are good. I don't understand it, but you're loving and you're sovereign. That's what it means to rejoice in the Lord and His grace always. We need His grace to do that. And it's an act of faith. And so Paul said, Thessalonians, be prepared to suffer. But when you go through that suffering, look to the Lord who is going to return and take you home, and someday it will all make sense, even though it doesn't make sense now. Continue to rejoice. Continue to pray. Continue to give thanks. I was thinking, as I, as I was studying this, I was thinking, can you imagine talking to Joseph in the Old Testament? Joseph was 17 years old, and he unwisely shared some dreams God had given him with his brothers, and they hated him for those dreams and threw him into a pit and sold him into slavery in Egypt. Can you imagine talking to Joseph as he's trudging through the desert, bound by chains on his way to Egypt? Can you imagine talking to him and say, Hey, Joseph, rejoice always. That means even now, give thanks in all circumstances. Joseph probably would have said, are you crazy? Rejoice that I'm a slave? Rejoice that my brothers hate me so much they did this to me? Rejoice that I'm ripped away from my father and my family? Then he finally gets to Egypt and he's bought by Potiphar and he, he works so hard for this Egyptian that eventually Potiphar puts him in charge of his whole household. It looks like things are finally starting to go well for him. And then... Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him, but he wants to please God and stay pure, and he runs out of the house. And then Potiphar, or Potiphar's wife, accuses him of coming on to her. And Potiphar comes home, and his wife says, Joseph did this to me. And Potiphar has him thrown into prison. And all he had done was seek to please God. Now he's in prison. All he had done was try to be pure, and he's in prison. Can you imagine talking to Joseph then? Hey, Joseph, rejoice, man. Give thanks. 
I picture Joseph would probably be saying, what? Rejoice? Really? Are you kidding? My brothers sell me to slave traders. I'm bought by an Egyptian. And when things are finally starting to go good, his wife accuses me. I'm thrown into prison. You want me to rejoice? Well, Joseph is so diligent in prison. He's, he just works, tries to please the Lord even there. And God gives him favor in the eyes of the prison keeper. And he eventually puts Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. Everything seems to be going better. And Joseph does a great job with it. And one day, two of Pharaoh's officers, whom he had thrown into prison, have dreams. And Joseph interprets the dreams. He tells one of the guys, the cupbearer, you're going to be freed from prison and restored to your position. And he says to the cupbearer, he begs this cupbearer, he says, when you get out, would you please mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of here because I'm innocent. I was stolen from my homeland. I did nothing wrong that I should be here. And Joseph's interpretations proved to be true. The cupbearer goes free. And does he mention him to Pharaoh? He totally forgets. Completely forgets. And Joseph is stuck languishing in prison for two more years. Hey, Joseph, give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always, Joseph. Oh, yeah, right. Rejoice always. Yeah, give thanks that I'm stuck here in this pit. I mean, I, I, I don't, Joseph probably didn't do that. that. That might be what I would have done. I was just imagining. Two years later, after the cupbearer gets out, Pharaoh has these troubling dreams, and suddenly the cup, nobody else in Egypt can interpret the dreams for Pharaoh, and suddenly, two years later, the cupbearer goes, uh-oh. <laughs> I forgot. And he says, hey, hey, Pharaoh, there's this guy in prison, Joseph. He's, he can interpret dreams. Joseph gets out, interprets the dreams. Pharaoh makes him the number two man in all of Egypt. And because of Joseph's wisdom and planning, when a severe famine hits Egypt, he's able to provide for thousands and thousands of Egyptians and his brothers and his father, their families as well. And he's 30 years old when Pharaoh promotes him. He was 17 when he was sold into slavery. So for 13 years, he was a slave and in prison. And years later, when his father dies, who had come, he brought to Egypt, his brothers are afraid that Joseph is going to take revenge after his father dies. So they make up this message. They send a message to him and says, before father died, uh, he sent a message that said, hey, Joseph, please forgive your brothers uh, and, and their sin because they did evil to you. And they come trembling to him. They had sent him this lie. Their father didn't say that. But they come and they're trembling before him. And they say, behold, we are your servants. And I love what Joseph says. He says, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me. But God, who is sovereign over all, infinitely wise, infinitely loving, but God meant it for good. To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Did Joseph, did Joseph rejoice during those 13 years in slavery and prison? I don't know. Did he know, did he know that God was going to use that 
experience to save thousands of lives? I doubt it. If he could have seen what God was going to do with him to save thousands of lives and then to save the lives of his father and his brothers and his brothers' wives and children and then use that story in the Bible to show millions and millions of people throughout history who read his story the sovereignty and wisdom and love of God, if he would have known that and could have seen that, he would have rejoiced always. He would have rejoiced in his circumstances even though they would have been really hard. See, we have to look beyond our circumstances to our God, our gracious God, and then we can rejoice in His grace. Well, secondly, this passage says, pray without ceasing. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And I I like the way pray without ceasing is placed right in the middle, right between rejoice always and give thanks in all things. It's placed right in the middle. Tells us to rejoice, tells us to give thanks, but right in the middle of that he says, pray without ceasing. We need to pray all the time. I I really, really appreciated what Rodney and Leanne shared this morning. I just thought, oh, that's just perfect. That's, That's right. We need to pray all the time without ceasing. Well, what do we pray for? Well, we pray for anything and everything we need. Anything and everything we see in God's Word. Pray for God to change things. We pray for God to save our children and our grandchildren. We pray for God to heal us. We pray for God to provide for us. We pray for God to work miracles in our lives. We pray for God to forgive us of our sins. And pray for God to give us grace and strength to endure. Pray for God to help us trust Him. Help us to love others. Help us to serve others. Just I need God all the time. I I really appreciate what Leanne said. You know, we're all needy. We all need God every second of every day. I I know it. I I feel so weak so often. I I have to pray. So often I don't feel like doing what God's Word says to do. So I, I have to pray, Lord, help me want to serve in this situation today. Help me want to serve. Lord, please give me a desire. Help me want to do this. Help me obey you. Please give me joy as I'm doing this. Now, I need to remember, and we need to remember, that God never gives us commands without intending to act upon them when we obey them. God wouldn't, God doesn't tell us to pray without ceasing if he doesn't intend to answer those prayers. It does, boy, I've been praying for some things for years and years and years, and I can be tempted to think God is not going to answer them, but I have to just keep remembering, it says God is a rewarder of those who seek him in faith. I have to remember, even my prayers don't feel powerful at all. My prayers feel like they go up about 18 inches, well, maybe 12, 6 inches, and then fall down to the floor. That's the way they feel. But I try to remind myself often of what it says in James. The prayer of a righteous person is faithful and powerful and effective. It doesn't feel powerful, but that's what God's Word says. So we have to pray all the time. God wouldn't tell us to pray if He didn't intend to answer. 
God, God doesn't just tell us to do things because He likes to see us doing things. Look how, look how they're doing that. I told them to pray, and they're praying. No. He intends to answer. He cares about us. When I was a new Christian, I thought, how can God care about me? He's got the whole universe to run. How can He care about my pathetic little needs? Well, First Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Isn't that incredible? The God who created the universe, the God who is sustaining the galaxies, cares for you and me and our problems and our challenges. He cares for you and He tells us in His Word, cast all your anxieties on me. God isn't up there saying, you shouldn't be anxious about that. No, He cares about us. Jesus is a sympathetic high priest. So He wants us to pray always. Maybe we need to pray, Lord, help me to rejoice. I don't feel like rejoicing. But then after that, He says, give thanks in all circumstances. So, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18, whole verse, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The Thessalonians had suffered much affliction. But Paul says, in all your affliction, Thessalonians, rejoice in the Lord who is going to come back someday and take us to Him and all other believers who have gone before. And we will be with Him forever. And he says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God's will is always for our joy in Him. God is infinitely good. Infinitely loving. His will for us. Every command in His Word is for our joy in Him. He is the fountain of infinite joy and He wants to pour out that joy into us. And so every command He gives us is not to make our lives hard, although sometimes they feel hard. It's for our joy. And so if God says, Give thanks in all circumstances. It's for our joy. God doesn't say, I'm just going to give them this ridiculous command to see if they'll do it. No. He intends when we obey Him to fill us with joy and peace and strength. And so, when God commands us to rejoice, it's for our our good. It, It doesn't mean when when we... When we rejoice or we give thanks in all things, it doesn't mean we give thanks for evil things or bad things that happen. We're not thanking God for the evil we're undergoing or the pain or the grief or the devastation. We're not thanking Him for the bad things that happen to us or to our loved ones. But we're thanking Him for what He is going to do 
in those circumstances and for His grace in those circumstances and for the ultimate results that He is going to bring about good that we can't see, just like Joseph couldn't have possibly fathomed the infinite amount of good God was going to do through those things. So we have to keep, when we, when we give thanks in all circumstances, we're not thanking Him for the circumstances. We're lifting our eyes to God and we look at our circumstances through the eyes of faith. And so Romans 8.28 says, and we know that for those who love God, again, only Christians, only believers in Jesus Christ, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. It, 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 that, that seems counterintuitive. It seems, how can all things work together for good? How can this pain, how can this devastation, how can this sadness be working for good? I don't know. But early on in my Christian life, I heard someone say, if God's Word says it, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And that, that changed my life. God's Word. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Whether I understand it or not, whether I see how God works all things together for good or not, I'm going to believe that. Now, when someone is in pain and suffering, we don't want to just go up and say to them, hey, come on, buck up. God's working this for good. No. The Bible says we weep with those who weep. We're to weep with those who weep. But... but it, but as we're going through it, even as we're weeping, we can say, Lord, somehow I don't understand this, but I believe You're working this for good for me, for, for Your glory. Now, when, when someone is going through something, we want to be very sympathetic and compassionate, and I have failed so many times to do that. But we want to weep with those who weep. But when I have gone through some sad and painful things, I have clung to this verse. I've even said it through tears at times. Lord, I, I can't imagine how you're causing this to work for my good, or the good of my children, or whatever. But I believe that somehow you are, and someday I'll understand. So I thank you for the good you're doing in this. That's... That's how I try to give thanks in all circumstances. Not thanking Him for the evil itself. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now, our afflictions don't feel light and momentary. When we're going through something, they feel heavy and unending at times. I know many of you can identify with that, more so than me even. But, this is the key. 
as we look not to the things that are seen, as we look not to our circumstances, but to the things that are unseen. And he says, our afflictions seem heavy and unending, but someday, someday when we see what God has done through those, when we see what God, how God has caused these afflictions to produce an eternal weight of glory beyond, it says beyond all comparison, then in heaven, then we will look back and say, ah, oh, what I went through, it felt horrible, it felt unending, but compared to this, that was light and momentary. But we have to look through the eyes of faith. We have to look ahead to when Jesus comes back. Then it will all make sense. It might not make sense now, but then it will. That's how we can give thanks for all things. That's how we can give thanks in all things and for all things. I read about this Scottish minister named Alexander White. And he was known for his uplifting prayers in the pulpit. He always found something to be grateful for. And one Sunday morning, the weather was so gloomy, and I thought, boy, I can learn a lesson from this. That one church member thought to himself, well, certainly the preacher won't think of anything for which to thank the Lord on a wretched day like this. Much to his surprise, however, White began by praying, we thank Thee, O God, that it is not always like this. I read that and I thought, I, I, I want to remember that. I, w- I want to pray that. I want to pray that. Thank you, Lord, that I won't always be going through this. Thank you, Lord, that summer is going to come sometime. You know, we, we have so much to be thankful for. Our, our spiritual blessings are just almost, uh, we can't even make a list of our spiritual blessings. Our salvation, forgiveness of all our sins freed from God's wrath, adopted as His very own children, one with Christ. We're going to share. We're we're joint heirs with Christ. We're going to share in Christ's inheritance. And even the highest angels in heaven aren't called sons and daughters. We, 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 We have a status higher than the highest angels in heaven. So even if everything is going bad around us, we can thank God that we're saved. But we have so many material blessings. I I did a little research on how many times in our lifetime our heart beats. If you use an average of 80 beats a minute, your heart beats about 4,800 times per hour. So even while I've been speaking, your heart has been beating about 4,000 times. Over the course of Oh wait, a day, in one day, 115,200 times. Every single day, your heart, my heart beats, if, if it's 80 beats a minute, 115,000 times. Over the course of a year, that would be 42 million, 48,000 times. 42 million. And if you live to be 80 years old, your heart would have beaten approximately Three billion, three hundred sixty-three million, eight hundred and forty thousand times. And when I read that, I thought, Lord, I don't even thank you ever for my heart 
beating. You keep my heart beating every single day. Thousands of times. I, I want to start thanking God. Lord, thank you for sustaining my heart, causing it to beat. Every heartbeat, God knows every beat of our hearts. Well, how about our breathing? You who like sting, every breath you take. On average, a person at rest, on average, a person at rest, not running, takes about 16 breaths per minute. That means about 960 breaths an hour, 23,040 breaths a day, 8,409,600 a year, unless we get a lot of exercise. I probably go about 6 million a year. Uh, the person, person who lives to be 80 will take about 672,768,000 breaths in a lifetime. Every single breath is a gift from God. We have not only so many spiritual blessings, but we're just every day of our lives, every breath, every heartbeat, everything we get to eat, every single thing in our lives, we're so blessed. Well, I want to tell you this. Thankfulness has changed my life. I began to try to put it into practice as a young Christian. Someone told me this verse, give thanks in everything. And and so I, my mom told me that. She was a new believer. She heard a message on it. So I, I began to try to put that into practice. Um, I heard a guy say once every morning, as soon as he wakes up, he tries to remember to say, Lord, thank you for the gift of sleep. Thank you for protecting us during the night. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. So I, I started to try to do that. And I, I don't always remember to do it, but many mornings when I wake up, by God's grace, I, I remember to say those things. And, and uh, I have, I've, you've heard me say this, I have uh, a, a little moleskin journal that before I pray in my prayer time every day, after spending a little time in the Word, I just take a few minutes and, and write one page of things I'm thankful for. It could be things that happened yesterday. It could be, Lord, thanks for the sunshine on the trees this morning. Or it could be spiritual blessings, whatever. But I just take a couple minutes, and I do that most days. And that, that just helps me to kind of get in the frame of, of thankfulness. I, I think to myself, I heard somebody say, before you come rushing into the presence of God and, and dumping all your requests on Him, thank Him for things. Not that that's a legalistic rule that you have to do, and many times I don't. I'm just crying out to God all day, not always thanking Him, but by, by trying to put thankfulness first in my day, it, it just kind of sets the tone for the day. And I, I tell you, God, when God commands us to do something, it's for our joy and for our gladness. And I can, I can honestly say that as God has helped me to cultivate thankfulness it really has brought so much joy into my life and i just you know our hearts as pastors is for you guys to have all the joy you can have so i know i forget to thank god for thousands of things i'm going to start trying to thank him for my heartbeats and my breaths more often i forget i know i can't even possibly even fathom all that i have to thank god for try to remember Blessings of living in this nation, the blessings of health, the blessings of life, blessings of this church, blessings of friends. Just I have too many things to remember. 
but I want to try to, to do that. So rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God's commands seem crazy, don't they, sometimes? But He gives them to us for our joy. Our God is so good, so gracious, so loving. He wants us to know Him and be filled with His joy. So let's pray. Let's ask our gracious God to help us do these things. So let's, uh, let's stand. Let's have the band come up and let's pray. Lord, thank You. Thank You. Thank You. Thank You for all Your millions, millions of blessings. We thank You for saving us. Lord, if anyone here has not yet called upon You to save them, to rescue them, help them to do that now. Help them, Lord, to call upon You and to believe in You. And Lord, help us all to just overflow with thankfulness. Lord, may, may that be something that people know us for. May that be a trait a characteristic that this church is known for, that we're thankful and that we rejoice even in the midst of things we don't understand. Help us, Lord. We, we can't do one thing in Your Word without Your help. And we thank You that You wouldn't tell us to do it if You didn't intend to help us. And so we thank You, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.